Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, one of the things I enjoy most are sharing stories about people who do, in fact, love their work. We've got a bunch of those today. You know, since we started sharing these little success stories at the beginning of the podcast each week, they've been pouring in from all over. So we've got some of those, some interesting questions that we're going to be dealing with today. Our theme is going to be, are you praying like this? Now that comes from our quotation that I'll share with you in just a minute. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at today. Can I make a living as a dreamer? Well, there's a good question to start with. Dan, how can I sell myself if I'm not sly, a fast talker, or super outgoing? (laughs) All right, Dan, how can I keep up with all the seminars that are available? I know you talk about flipping cars, and I'm interested in that. You know, that just keeps coming up. Uh, I love the questions about cars. I have people sending me notes about local events going on. I just had somebody send me a note that there's a car get together every Saturday morning right here in the little community where I live. And on the first Saturday of every month, it's exotic cars specialty. And of course here in Williamson County, yeah, you don't have to go very far to get exotic cars with people like Brad Paisley and Keith Urban and uh, Alan Jackson, you know, living here. Yeah. It's easy to attract some extremely exotic cars to the little get-togethers that happen around here. But anyway, I love those kind of questions. Well, anyway, somebody says, should I use my real name or a pen name for my books if I have a very familiar name? If my new job is not a fit, should I jump ship? All right. I want to give you answers to those. Here's a quotation we're going to have for today, and this comes from Richard Rohr. Now, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest, yeah, his, one of his books is The Naked Now, and it comes from there. Richard Rohr says, Asking for something from God does not mean talking God into it. It means an awakening of the gift within ourselves. I love that concept. Love what that does to say, you know what? If you've got that desire, don't just ask God and then go sit on a stump. If you've got that desire, it probably means God has already planted within you the means to make that happen. And we're going to hear some great stories from people who are doing just that. Well, here's, let's start with a couple success stories. Now this one comes from Erin Casey. You may recognize that name. She's one of the editors at success magazine has become a friend over the last few years has been here for several of our events has written her own little books now, but I recommend Erin frequently as a co-author of books with people, which she's done. But here's the deal. Erin sent me a note recently and said that she and her family were moving to Ireland to help plant a church. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. You know, what's up with that? How are you going to make that work? Well, here's the cool part. Now, this is what the part of this that I really love. What typically happens when somebody says, we're going to move to another country or to another state to help plant a church? 
How do they make that work financially? Well, we know what happens immediately. We're going to get letters. If we know that people, we're going to get a letter. We've been called full-time ministry. Would you please give us some money so we can do this? Well, I have a problem with that model. That's a pretty old model that doesn't work very well. That's not what Erin and her family are doing. Erin is a very accomplished writer, so she's a freelance writer. She writes articles for magazines. She co-authors books. She writes books and e-books of her own. Obviously, what she does is very transportable. Her husband is in the writing world as well. He has, does proofreading. He has established clients. Very transportable as well. They don't have to hold their hands out and say, gee, we're going to quit what we're doing that provides our income. And now we hope you give us some of your income so we can go do this new thing that we want to do. Now, I don't want to in any way frame this new thing they want to do just as some adventure they're going on. But in many ways, it is. They love Ireland. They went there last year to celebrate their 10th anniversary and felt like they were leaving home when they got on the plane rather than coming home. So they just made plans. How would this all work? Well, yeah, they're going to be involved in some ministry things there, but they're not just going to totally unplug what they do to provide their own income. I think it's a worthy model and I love what they are doing. I'll give you more. She wrote me a lengthy letter and I appreciate your uh, in-depth response, Aaron, but I, I love the idea that you are just uh, doing this as an adventure for your entire family. And what a memorable experience this will be. But I also really commend you on the way that you put this together so that you're not just one more person holding their hand out saying, we're going to do something worthwhile. We're going to be involved in ministry. So, you know, give us some money. No, you just are continuing to do what you know you can do in a new location when you still have discretionary hours to help in the worthy, humanitarian, godly, ministerial, whatever you want to frame it as, the work that you're doing. Well, another one. This is from Zach Newman in Roseburg, Oregon, who says, Dan, I want to thank you for your book, The Disc Profile and Podcast. I'm 31 years old, part owner in a couple pizza restaurants for the last nine years. I was getting burnt out and your material has given me why I has reminded me why I got in this business to teach young people. Life is so much more alive when we live with purpose and passion. I know I've also begun writing at ZachariahNewman.com and have other things in the works to meet this passion. Now seeing the world with a new excitement. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for that note, Zach. I love when I hear these stories. Here's another one. This one comes from Vincent Puglesi. In Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I probably butchered your last name, Vincent, I apologize. He says, Dan, my wife and I have been faithful listeners of your podcast for years. We've been professional photographers for nearly 20 years. After listening to your podcast about setting yearly goals, I finally decided to write mine down. The last three years, the final line on my list was having a two-page photograph published in Sports Illustrated. It was one of a few goals on my list that I did not accomplish each year. Even though it seemed like a career goal that might never get accomplished, I never lost sight of it or, or lost the drive to achieve it. As you can imagine, I was thrilled to learn that my photograph was a two-page spread in a recent Sports Illustrated magazine about hockey superstar Sidney Crosby. You can view it at our blog, 
elizabethvincentphotography.com blog. Your encouragement, guidance, and knowledge helped me accomplish this. Thank you. Well, Vincent, golly, what a cool thing. I did go there and look at the shots, you know, great shots. You know, we had a, a Sports Illustrated accidentally delivered to our house recently, and it was a swimsuit edition. Well, it came in the mail, was laying on the counter, and my wife was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Well, you're familiar with the swimsuit edition. Apparently, that was not your photography. I, I looked at your photography there, and it turns out that that Sports Illustrated was supposed to go in a neighbor's mailbox, a couple mailboxes up. So I dutifully returned it to him <laughs> with my wife's blessing that I returned it. But anyway, congratulations on getting that two-page spread in there. I mean, that's that's a big deal. I know photographers, a lot of them are struggling, whining, wringing their hands at this point. Like you're doing, you have to find out what makes you remarkable. What can you do that really sets you apart from what a lot of other people are doing? Thanks for the note. Well, let's go into the questions. Nate Miller from Columbia City, Indiana says, can I make a living as a dreamer? Well, we could just park there all day. My wife has said for years I should get people to pay me for my ideas. And although she was half joking, I think she was half serious. Give me an hour with any small business and I can develop two dozen ideas to increase their business online. I'm curious if you think there's a market for this and what the quickest path to success would be. I should warn you, I'm a very high I and a strong D in the disc profile, so dreaming and directing come naturally. Follow through and bean counting, not so much. How would you recommend finding business owners to work with? What would be a good pricing structure and model? Would there be any opportunities for passive or residual income? Thanks for being my pre-recorded mentor. You're the best. Well, thanks for your note, Nate. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, next question. Now, can you make a living as a dreamer? Absolutely. I mean, that covers a lot of ground, but I love working with dreamers. I mean, realist and practical people, nah, I'm not your coach. I want to work with dreamers. I want to work with people who have ideas that other people have told them are not practical or realistic or possible. Those are the ones that, get me juiced up and ready to go. So yeah, you can do that. I mean, you hear me talk on here a lot about wood sculptors and artists and musicians and people growing monkey grass. I mean, that, that's literally a recent example. A kid knew that he had really a green thumb for La Rope or what we commonly call monkey grass. His in-laws have a big farm that's unused about an hour south of here, unused in the term. They just bush hog it, but it's not really, doesn't have any productive crops or cattle on it. And well, he just used about half an acre of that and he's growing now commercially monkey grass and selling to individuals and nurseries, turn that into a very reasonable little business. So yeah, now you, you said that your best ideas are to get with a small business owner, come up with two dozen ideas to increase their business online. Is there a market for that? Absolutely. When you think about the businesses that that includes, now let's just think about this for a minute. We know that in the United States, 52.8% of companies have one to four employees. So are there small businesses? Yes, there are hundreds of thousands of them. And new ones starting every day. 
if we go even up to 99 employees, only 2.6% of the companies in our country have more than that. And that would still be considered a small business. So you have 97.4% of the businesses in the country, anywhere, any field who are candidates for what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a big market. Do those people need to know how to make money online? Are they open to ideas? Sure. Absolutely. Now you got to frame that in a way, and this is your question. How can you frame that so people take you seriously and will engage with you? Well, if you're going to position yourself as a business consultant, that's kind of a broad category. You need to make it as tangible as possible. What are the specific things that you will do if you come into 48 days and you're going to help us? Are you going to look specifically at how we integrate Twitter, Facebook, my blog, podcast, newsletter? I mean, that would be an example of one area. You're going to really help us there. You're going to help us with search engine optimization. You're going to help with new product launches. You know how to do that. You know how to write sales copy that really engages people. You know how to uh, have traffic conversion. So if somebody, if a hundred people come to our site, instead of them staying an average of 30 seconds, how can we increase that to three minutes? I mean, if you can do specific things like that, that's what you have to do though, is be as specific and quantifiable. If it's just kind of pie in the sky, we're going to help you do better business. No, it's going to be tough to engage, but can you do that? Yeah, absolutely. And you don't have to be the one that does all the implementation. I mean, we know those are two different things. Somebody that can come in and see the big picture. And there's a lot of people who have done this. Now, here's a, here's a model that you might think about. Jay Abraham is one of the old gurus in doing exactly what you're describing. To come into a business and simply help them see things that they're not seeing now to increase their revenue. Here's how he's done that in a way that's no risk for companies and in a way that has made him millions and millions of dollars. He says, you don't pay me anything. We'll simply benchmark where you are. And then I'll take 10% of the increased revenue over the next 36 months. Now that's not an exact example. I just made that up, but that's, that's the concept that he uses. Don't pay me anything. We'll just benchmark where you are and I'll take a percentage of the increase in revenue. Now that's a pretty appealing proposition. And a lot of people took him up on that, obviously. And in doing that, with the confidence that he really could increase their business, he made himself millionaire many, many times over. Here's what a lot of business consultants want to do. They say, pay me you know, $5,000 and I'll look at your business and show you ways that you can increase. So I have people approach me all the time about that. That's like saying, I'm an advertising guy. You know, let's put up three billboards. I'm really confident it's going to increase your business. Well, yeah, that sounds great, but how are we going to actually measure that? And a lot of business consultants don't want to be tied to the measurement of actual increase. They just want to be paid because they're smart guys. That will be tough. But if you make it tangible, what you're going to do, tie it to revenue increase. Yeah, absolutely. Go through, create a business plan. You can go to 48days.com. Just go to the free resources there and download a business plan if you need to. Map out what it would look like. And then look at the pricing strategies. You ask about pricing strategies. There's no right or wrong. You just experiment with different kind of packages that you think work. You may have a $2,500 initial overview evaluation. You may do something where you say, okay, I believe in your business. I think we really can increase revenues and do it like Jay Abraham did. 
But be creative in that. Can you create passive or residual income? Absolutely. If you have tips along any of the lines we're talking about, I mean, I have some books here by Dr. Brian Dixon. He was attended one of our recent workshops and he left the stack here for me to give out to people as I see fit. It's social media for educators. Well, that's a very specific kind of topic. So if you can do that, put it in a workshop, seminar, book, presentation, teleseminar, I mean, any of those formats have the potential to create income for you on an ongoing basis. Well, Stephen from Florida says, I've been thoroughly enjoying the Wisdom Meets Passion book you sent me a few weeks ago, and I learned so much about myself and others. On page 169, you talk about the three legs of extraordinary success. The first being, what are you deeply passionate about? The second being, how can you do that with excellence, perhaps better than anyone else? My answer to the first question is psychology and personal growth. But my question for you is, what are some tips on doing that with excellence, perhaps better than anyone else, and making a living doing that without a ton of years of expensive schooling? Thank you so much for the book as well. Out of the many books I've read, yours are always the most enjoyable to read and study. Thanks, Stephen. Well, thanks for your comments and your question, Stephen. If you know that you have are passionate about psychology and personal growth, my goodness, we don't have to look very far to see models of people who have used that very, very profitably. As to your question about, let me address this first. As to your question about without a ton of years of expensive schooling, I don't know where you are in that, but let me just throw out some names. Brendan Bouchard, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Dennis Waitley. Can you tell me what kind of schooling, academic degrees, any of those people have? I mean, I could go on and on with a list of popular authors whose names you directed. Uh, nobody knows. Nobody cares. I mean, Jim Rohn, master motivator. I mean, I've devoured his stuff. I have no idea what he has in academic degrees. And I doubt that anybody else does or cares. I mean, surely you can go research that, but that's not what people look at. They look at results. If you want to know how to use psychology and personal growth without having a lot of degrees or years of experience, study Brendan Bouchard. You can find him easily. Get on his mailing list. Get the stuff that he sends out. The guy is an absolute genius. He's very young. He has come into the game guns blazing, created a space for himself, and probably has the highest paid products seminars in the United States at this point. Um, I'm, I'm going to go to one of his. That's one of the ones on my list this year is to go to his Experts Academy. Now, that's in September in Santa Clara, California. Mike and Gail Hyatt, friends of ours, you hear me talk about a lot. I'm going to be doing the launch conference with Mike in Vail, Colorado in September. We're actually going from that conference directly to California for Brendan's Experts Academy. The timing works out perfectly. So Mike and Gail Hyatt, along with Joanne, my wife and I, are going to go to his Experts Academy. But study him to see how he's used psychology and personal growth. It'll blow your mind, the things that he's done. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in clinical psychology to use the principles for personal excellence. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I have my 
masters in clinical psychology, but when I sit down with somebody and I'm going to coach them, we aren't going to go deep into psychological theory. We're going to say, Hey, what results do you want next year? What are we going to change that you're doing now to get the results you want? And the kind of things that you hear in the ongoing questions and testimonials here are not deep psychological theory or principles. You don't need to study Carl Jung and Sigmund Freud and Carl Rogers and all the old time greats there. You really don't. You just need to know how to lead people to more excellence in their life. And you can create a name for yourself really quickly. Michael from Lawton, Michigan says, Dan, I'm currently a project engineer, been pretty successful up to this point, but I've always felt that I was missing something in my vocation. As I read your book, 48 Days, I'm starting to hear and read a lot that one of the best skills to have in business is being a good salesman. Now, listen, I love this question. I've always stayed away from being a salesman as I've been convinced that to be a salesman, you have to be sly, a fast talker and super outgoing. I've never considered myself any of these. In fact, quite the opposite. However, I have a drive to set out on my own and know that being able to sell a product or an idea is critically important. I was wondering if moonlighting in sales would be a good way to learn. If so, where would be a good starting point? Golly, what, what a great introspective observation, Michael, to recognize, yeah, you're doing well, but there's just something missing. And if you're going to go out on your own and do something, yeah, you better believe it. I mean, the biggest reason business ventures fail is somebody didn't understand the sales and marketing that would be required to make that work. I mean, you hear me talk a lot about working with authors whom I tell, which I heard directly from my good friend, Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, who told me, Dan, everybody wants to be an author. What I tell them is this, write a book, do a really remarkable job, make it a great book. Now you're 10% finished. 90% is promotion, pricing, positioning, marketing of that book. We tell artists that. It doesn't matter what your business is. Somebody needs to be selling something or it's not going to work. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. And there's a lot of ways to create visibility for yourself. I mean, what I've done with 48 days, I mean, I had somebody yesterday, we were doing a, a conference call and one of the participants said, you know, Dan, every, everywhere I look, there you are. He says, you know, I hear you on all kinds of radio shows, podcasts. I see your comments on other blogs. You know, how, well, I've been very strategic about doing that as part of my marketing strategy to create what in marketing we call top of mind positioning. So if somebody thinks about making a career change or finding work that you love, boom, I want Dan Miller to be the name that comes up 48 days. So there are ways to do that where you don't have to knock on doors or pick up the telephone and dial but you have to be very strategic and intentional about what it is you're going to do so that you are in fact selling. You don't have to be sly, a fast talker and super outgoing, but you have to be very confident about presenting what it is that you do to others. Now here's what I observe. This is not just a matter of personality style. Well, maybe I'm just kind of introverted and shy. When I find that people can't sell well, I really observe two things, one of two things 
that are usually in place. Now, see, what, I'm just going to run this up the flagpole. You can tell me what you think. Number one, they don't really believe in the value of what they're selling. Now, when you talk about just moonlighting in sales, I'm not sure that's really even necessary. You can go directly into what it is you want to do. Just if you believe in the value of what you do, you're going to naturally sell. Now, when we, when we talk about selling, true professional selling is simply sharing enthusiasm. That's what it is. It's sharing enthusiasm. If you go to a great movie and you tell 20 of your friends, you're selling because you're sharing your enthusiasm about that. Go to a great, great restaurant and for the next month, you drop that name whenever you get in a conversation with somebody. That's true selling. You are so excited about something. You want everybody to experience the benefits of that. Do I believe that about you know my products? Yeah, you better believe it. If I didn't, I better quit and go do something else. I mean, if you, when you see salespeople who are just pushing a product so they get a commission check, that's where we feel the manipulation, the conning, the pressure that is often associated with immature selling. And it is immature selling. I love to sell and I love to be sold to by somebody who's really a good salesman. I love the interaction. If they believe in the value of what they have, and, and if you have something, whether it's a product or a service that you're offering, why aren't people paying you for that? There's only really one reason. They haven't been convinced of the value. You convince them that the value outweighs the money. They'll push the money into your hand. So this is not a matter of, again, talking somebody into something they don't want or need. No, not at all. This is a matter of being able to convey the value of what you have so clearly that people want it. They stand in line to get it. So when people don't sell well, either they don't believe in the value of what they're selling or at least can't convey the value of what they're selling. Or number two, they have an unhealthy relationship and view of money. Hmm. Didn't see that coming, did you? That's very pervasive where people simply have an unhealthy view of money. Now we see this especially in faith-based. Well, I shouldn't even go that far in a Christian community where a lot of people are convinced that money is evil. How are you going to be excellent in selling? If you really at some level believe that money is evil or an exchange where you get money and a person gets a product in their hand, somehow you're the winner and they're the loser. I mean, that's a horrible presentation. That would be a horrible perspective to have. So can you learn to sell well? Absolutely. Just decide how you sell well. If it is in a more passive way, that, that's fine. Just figure out how you can do that without having to, to do the nose-to-nose, face-to-face interaction with people. You can do that, but make sure that you do believe in the value of what you're selling and make sure that you have a healthy understanding of what money is, what, what money transactions really do for both individuals or organizations. Greatest resource on that is Daniel, Rabbi Daniel Lappin's book, Thou Shall Prosper. I've not found anything that I recommend more highly. 
in terms of having a healthy perspective of money, biblical perspective of what money is, how we create money. It's not taking from somebody so I get more. No, if we have healthy transactions, everybody gets more of what they want in that transaction. Boy, that was a great question. Great question. Well, this is Dan Miller. You're listening to the 48 Days Online Radio Podcast, where each week I take real questions from you, the listeners. We unpack them together, look for ways that we can all increase our level of success together. You know, this really is, I mean, the principle, a rising tide raises all ships. I mean, I come back to that again and again and again. This is not a matter of, if I'm successful, then there's a whole lot of people around me that have somehow suffered or given up. I mean, that, that's a horrible process. That's, that's part of the reason I'm really gun shy about some of the network marketing organizations out there. Now I said, some don't hammer me with, I hate network marketing. I don't, it's a very legitimate and viable business model, but there's a history where one person ends up really successful because a whole lot of other people end up being burned and never recapturing even their initial investment. That's not a great business model. If you're in network marketing, recruit other people in the same way that you would hire them as employees because they are such a perfect fit for what that business model requires that you are absolutely convinced of their ultimate success. You believe that their success will supersede your own. I mean, if you do that, I mean, I know, I've got a gal right here locally, who's been in, oh, what is Arbonne, Arbonne Cosmetics? My goodness, she, she makes millions of dollars. What, we went to a party, this has been a couple years ago at her house, and it's in a very exclusive neighborhood, you know, gated community called the Governor's Club here in Williamson County, Tennessee. And we were met by parking valets at the bottom of the hill, and then we were taking up the hill that was totally outlined left and right with white Mercedes. Well, guess who was driving the white Mercedes? All the directors that she had elevated to that position. So they got white Mercedes, which is a sign that they are doing really, really well. It was the most impressive approach to a party I've ever been to, I think. And then we met, you know, all these gals who are really doing well. Well, Carol, Carol is her name. She loves these ladies that she works with. She grooms them and helps them attain success that they have dreamed of. I mean, I've seen what she's done over the years. Do I want her to be successful and to make millions of dollars? Absolutely. She's doing it right. That's not always true in selling, but Hopefully it is. Make sure that that is the kind of model that you use if you're going to be involved in sales where everybody wins, where, I mean, if, if I sell a book to somebody, and I know I've mentioned this before, if I sell a book to somebody, you know, so I get 20 bucks, I take my granddaughter to Taco Bell and the money's gone. Do I expect that the person who invested the $20 is now poor? They aren't going to be able to make the electric payment this month. No, I hope that that little tiny investment leads to the kind of things that we're hearing about in the testimonials here. I hope it adds $50,000 to their income next year. That's what gets me excited. I mean, that 
thrills me. I never get tired of hearing those stories. Well, Rob from Centerville uh, says, Dan, do you know of a reliable source site publication that has listings of seminars? I find it hard to keep up with what's going on since there seems to be an explosion of seminars in the last few years. Thanks once again for your inspiration. Um, I don't. I get notification of hundreds of seminars and workshops. There's not a consistent source for those, though. It's just because I get so many newsletters, blogs, and podcasts, and so I hear about things. I mean, there are things, if you get in the internet world, and so you're talking to people like Mike Koenigs and Steve Olsher and Armin Moran and Alex Mendozian, people like that, they operate in the online uh, Tom Antion. They operate in the online business arena. So if you get in with any of those, you're going to hear about all the seminars that are happening in that arena. If you're a writer and you get in that circle, you're going to hear about all of those. If you're into personal development or if you're into you know Christian growth, you know you you access the forums that information is being transferred about those kind of things. And you're going to start getting notified about all those things coming up. There's not a really good clearinghouse for that. That'd be a great business for somebody to do where those people all pay you a small fee to list their seminars. So you have a, a clearinghouse for seminars and workshops. There may well be something like that. If you know of that, by all means, you know, let me know, just go to the, if, if, and if you got a question or comment, I didn't even do that in our little transition break there, but just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, and you'll see there that you can write a question. You can leave a verbal question if you want to. Either way, you can get that to me. So I really don't know of anything. Be a great source. I'd enjoy having that where I could just scan through a listing of 500 workshops and seminars that are coming up. Well, Chris Hughes from Saratoga, Saratoga Springs, Utah says, Dan, I'm starting a blog and I will be self-publishing an ebook in the next six to eight months based on the blog. My question is this, should I use my real name or a pen name for both projects? The reason for this is I share my name with another more famous Chris Hughes, one of the founders of Facebook and editor in chief of the New Republic. With his huge online presence, I would feel that I would not be able to compete within the rankings and would get lost with the thousands of other Chris Hughes in the world. Any guidance here would be greatly appreciated. I don't think you should use a pen name. I think you ought to use your name. Now here's, there are going to be exceptions to this. If your name is Charles Manson, yeah, use a pen name, Uh, come up with something else. Because the association is so negative. In this case, it's not. I would use the fact that somebody else with the same name is so popular. Now, I would do something to distinguish. I would use, you know, Christopher, if that's your full name, or Chris M. Hughes. Use your middle initial. Do something so there is a clear distinction. However, the fact that somebody is so popular out there and has the same name could work to your great benefit. So, so don't just try to run away from that totally. No, I just, I'd, I'd go with your name for sure and uh, just distinguish it, but use the, um, the popularity of that to uh, get a head start for the projects that you want to do. Um, 
that would be my advice. Well, here we got a, a question that was left a message from Trevor. Now, you're going to enjoy this. Check this out. Hey, Dan. My name's Trevor Torres. I'm 17 years old, and I'm an early graduate from high school and a diabetes evangelist, meaning I would recommend type 1 diabetes to anyone. I just had my first keynote speech the other day on the topic of what millennials expect from healthcare to an audience of over 200 healthcare professionals, and that went fantastic. I mean, it was beyond amazing. And I really want to advance my speaking career more. But my question is, should I pursue the one area where I'm having success or the two areas where I'm passionate passionate in? So let me elaborate. I, you know, I know I have what it takes now to be a keynote speaker in the healthcare world, but I'm also really passionate about education. And I really want to be a speaker in both of those areas. But should I build myself as only a keynote speaker in the healthcare world to have like a more targeted message? Or should I try to pursue both avenues at once? Because I'm afraid if I pursue both avenues at once, you know, one might distract from the other. But on the other hand, they're both things I'm really passionate about uh, speaking about. So I'd really love to hear your thoughts and keep up the great show. All right, Trevor, thanks for your for your question. I wanted to play that rather than just read it because just of the enthusiasm with which you even ask the question. 17 years old, way to rock and roll. I mean, that's amazing that you're doing keynotes at 17 years old. Because of that, here's my advice to you. Don't too quickly narrow down what your speaking topics are going to be. Now, you talk with a lot of enthusiasm and passion about both of those areas. Those aren't opposed to each other at all. You can easily have three or four topics that you speak about listed on your site in your promotional materials. There's no conflict with that at all. I would get a couple more years, at least uh, maybe five or six years of speaking under your belt. And then you'll find your sweet spot. You'll find where the most requests come from, which audiences you really enjoy being in front of. I mean, all of that. I mean, I've, I've spoken for many years and I still, you know, refine who I decide I want to speak to, what kind of audiences really kind of light my fire. Uh, I've, did one recently in front of an all men's group, which I don't normally go after, but they were so receptive and so many questions afterward that I thought, man, I need to be doing that more. But I would just go ahead and make yourself available for the two areas that you're talking about. Be clear on what your topics are, but then allow the people who want you to speak to you know help you tailor make it specifically for their organization. Now, let me give you some tips here. One is I really recommend for you Rory Vaden. Well, Rory Vaden, I want you to find out about him, what he's doing. He's just a great young guy, but he came up through the ranks and through college, sold books, Southwestern door to door, was extremely successful, started his own consulting organization under the umbrella of the Southwestern company, wrote a book called Take the Stairs. Get that book, Take the Stairs, Rory Vaden. It'll really inspire you uh, because he is very young, started very young, and you'll see how some of his early experiences when he was 16, 17 shaped him to launch him into the career that he has today. Another couple resources, you can check out The Wealthy Speaker. Now, this is written by Jane Atkinson, who is my current speaking coach. I'm engaged with Jane in a 10-month coaching process. She's my personal speaking coach. 
but she wrote a book called The Wealthy Speaker. Check out her resources. And then a couple seminars where you'd really be with people who are way farther down the pike than you in in terms of chronological years, maybe not farther down in terms of speaking profession, but where you could really fine tune and present yourself as a seasoned professional. That would be to go to Michael Hyatt's conference called Launch. And if you go to launchconference.tv, you'll get the details. Now that's a pretty high end conference. That's going to, I'll be speaking there as well. It's going to be in September. It's going to be in Vail, Colorado at the Stearman Hotel. It's a very high-end property. So that's going to be a real classy kind of joint, but certainly help you launch yourself as a speaker. Another one you hear me talk about a lot is Kent Julian's Speak It Forward Boot Camp. Now, he just had one of those a couple weeks ago. I spoke at that as well down in Atlanta The next one will be coming up October 24th and 26th. I'll have links to both of those events in the show notes that you could come to. Another event you you might just enjoy would be our Innovate Conference. I mean, the Innovate Conference, I mean, that's not an expensive conference. It's $750, the one that we'll be having here in September and we are going to have a blast. Uh, let me go ahead and talk about that for a minute since I bring it up. I mean, we had one in, what was that, March? We had one, and it was just outrageous. The experience, the testimonies we got from people, and just the whole experience of doing this, where we invite people who are artists, entrepreneurs, speakers, musicians, magicians, comedians, any kind of artistic skill. We had a guy who was an aesthetic tree pruner who was here. Any kind of creative skill that you want to know, how can I get in the game? What do I do with this? So we're going to have, and we're going to have people like Michael Hyatt will be speaking on that. He talks about platform, you know, how to get an audience, how to, how to get out there. So people are listening to you. Uh, Chad Jeffers, guitarist with Carrie Underwood, he'll be here. Dorsey McHugh and my wife Joanne will be doing presentations on using art as a way to find your creative self. And then this is just, we just confirmed this. I was in Colorado earlier this week and met with Scott Stearman, who's an internationally renowned sculptor. Scott is going to be here and I am so excited about that. I can't sleep at night. He does life-size bronze sculptures where it may be at the entrance to a university or some great building. You'll see a Scott Stearman sculpture. He's done world changers where he's done bust of Tony Dungy, Truett Cathy, you know, well-known, even like Charles Wesley, people like that where he's commissioned to do the bust of those world changers. But he's very high demand. He's going to be here. Scott's going to be here for the two days of Innovate, which is going to be September 5th and 6th, right here at the sanctuary in Franklin. And here's the deal. I suggested to Scott that I rent a tent. We could have a big white tent set up right outside. Uh, The weather should be fine that time of year. And he could work in the tent unbothered by everybody else. And then the course, here's what he's going to do. And then I'll tell you how we're going to set this up. In the course of two days, Scott is going to take a big block of clay, and we're talking like three feet across, and in the two days, he's going to create an entirely original 48 Days Eagle. 
You guys know my fascination with the eagles. We have Aristotle here in the property carved out of cedar wood. He's going to create a totally original 48 days eagle where we're then going to. Now, here's the deal. Scott doesn't want to be outside in the yard by himself. He wants to be inside where all the action is taking place so he can hear the other speakers like Michael Hyatt and Chad Jeffers and Dorsey McHugh and Joanne Meller and me. He wants he wants to participate in the workshop, but he also says that hearing people will help him create the eagle. It'll help him design and create what will then emerge after two days of working on this. So you can actually be a co-creator, come to that event in October or in September, the innovate conference and help create this 48 days ego. I don't know when I've ever been as excited about a project as this. We're then going to take that original cast it in bronze, but then do computer imaging of that to create replicas. That'll be about 10 or 12 inches high that will then make available through 48 days for anybody who wants them. I am totally jazzed about that. Now that's the kind of thing, Trevor, as well, you know, to come put yourself around people who are going to the same place you want to go. I mean, that's the quickest way to change your success level is hang around people who are already performing at the level at which you want to perform. Well, let me grab one more question. We're going to, I recently followed, this comes from Tammy. I recently followed your 48 days advice, landed the perfect for me job on paper. I'm now four weeks in and completely miserable. The job I accepted is not the one I'm in. The emphasis was not what was described, not anything I ever would have taken had I known. I've spoken with the owner, my boss about this discrepancy and a position is as it is now is what will be moving forward. In other words, he's not listening to Tammy. He says, this is the way it is learn to live with it. Do I jump ship now? I'm thinking I can get some temp work to pay the bills while I look for something else. If so, how do I describe this to future employers? Am I missing another option? Thanks for your advice. Well, you know, Tammy, you need to cut a trail. Here's this really, it tears me up when I hear this. You've been there four weeks and you feel like you're locked into something that is not what you expected, not what you want. New jobs should always come with a 90-day trial period. I mean, anybody I've ever brought on, it was with that understanding. We're going to do this for 90 days, and then we're going to sit down and talk about it. Is it a good fit? Does it use your best skills and talents? You know, is there anything I can do to make it better? You know, is this a good fit for you? I mean, you need to have those conversations. Here's an example. At Zappos Shoes, now Tony Shea, CEO, founder of Zappos. Of course, it was purchased a couple years ago for, what, $1.2 billion by Amazon. But Zappos Shoes, great corporate culture. We all know about that. He started out really early on offering people about halfway through their four-week training program $100 if they wanted to quit. That was then raised to, it was raised to $1,000 in January of 2008 a couple years later they raised it to two thousand dollars so you're halfway through your training program they say hey if this isn't for you we'll give you two thousand dollars to leave you know what they did recently they raised it to four thousand dollars because tony didn't think enough people were taking them up on their offer at two thousand 
He thought too many people were trying to make it work. He upped it to $4,000. Once they hire you, now they're going to screen you and know that you're a good candidate. Once they screen you and hire you, put you in a training program, anywhere in the four-week period training program, you can say, this is not for me. Take a check for $4,000 and go on your merry way. In what you're describing, Tammy, absolutely. I would say you need to be out of there. Just go ahead and quit. It's not going to be some big blight on your resume or anything like that. I mean, in that period of time where you've been there a month, you don't need to need to list it on your resume. Just bypass it. If you've got years listed, I mean, here we are in May of 2013. I mean, it's not even going to show up on the radar. Just bypass it. Just get out of there. Do the temp jobs. You know, apologize to the boss. It's not what you thought it would be, but you're going to take a new position, you're going to take a fresh look and find something that's a better fit. That's exactly the way to handle that. Well, just a quick recap. We talked quickly about if you can't sell well, it may be because you don't believe in the value of what you're selling or you have an unhealthy relationship with money. Whatever it is that you want to do, learn how to do it with excellence, whether that's writing, speaking, consulting, mowing yards. Do it like Steve Martin says. Be so good they can't ignore you. Hey, thanks for being part of this community. Check out the activity at 48days.net. Growing group of people there who really are finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. You can do the same. I'm confident you're already on that path.